1: What say you, Richard Ellen Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How
0: shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At The end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them, okay? And the whole point is to have this not The State
2: versus Richard Alexander Murdoch, defendant, indictment for murder. Okay. Guilty verdict, signed by the Four Lady, 3223. Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch Murders, Money and Mystery. We are having a very special broadcast tonight because the verdict is in. Alec Murdoch has been found guilty on all four counts and joining me tonight to discuss what we saw I have with us our executive producer Drew Tripp down here we have our exclusive legal analyst Charlie Condon South Carolina's former Attorney General and right here to my left is my reporter who I've been working with WCIV's own Tara Jabour. we're thrilled to have her here with us Um, and I want to just get started right away Charlie you were in the courtroom um, and we saw sort of how things started to go down. Uh, it happened very quickly. We got a verdict very, very quickly within what, three hours? Three hours, so yeah. three to four hours. What was your take? And I'm going to tell you right now, you got, for since uh, for a live stream, you just got, yeah.
3: Oh, you got <laughs> you got why, why, I think why it, why was a, uh, uh, was it was a live
2: television. What was that? I think it was like a little Japanese beetle. Me, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we were in the courtroom together, and we were sort of watching this the, the verdict mm. roll out. Tell me tell me what the vibe was in there to you. You were a little closer mm. to the defense yeah, table. It was
3: quite the vibe. It, it was, um, I think most people expected it to be a guilty verdict, given the fact that it was so fast, and it would be hard to imagine with the evidence out there that it would be a not guilty verdict. So there was that expectation, but still he didn't really 100% know. But once the word guilty came out, you just knew once found guilty in one indictment that it would flow with the rest of them, because the evidence was basically the same for all of them. And um, you could see I was right behind the defendant himself, just a row back and behind his defense team, and you just sensed the Disappointment, mm-hmm. that would be the word I would use. And then over to the left, you could see the relief, and the it was sort so of joyous, uh, that's a, I mean, not the right word with with a murder case, but it was one sense of relief, but also satisfaction. They held
2: satisfaction, a, I think, is a really good word. Yeah,
3: maybe better words, but they held, they held and check their emotions, very, both sides are very professional. But I could say once the um, verdicts were announced, This was a moment for me because I'm right there behind the defendant. And uh, he clearly turned to, I had to assume it was Buster because Buster's right behind me. And in a very dramatic moment, he uh, mouthed the words that um, I'm sorry and I love you. And it was just quite the moment for me as he was whisked away. Dan Gregory, who has been the um, person in charge of security there, he was up close to the defendant oh, and yeah. out came the handcuffs i mean he was changed from a defendant there being on trial with courtesies being given to the defendant to, to richard allen or alexander murdoch until handcuffs on quick mm-hmm. change and was whisked away wouldn't you say quite quickly
2: absolutely whisked away and mm-hmm. you know i was watching buster while you had your eyes on alec and i got that the other the flip side the mirror side of what you were mm-hmm. seeing with alec as he said mouth these words to Mm -hmm. his son and and whoever was sitting there and I want to talk about that for a minute too but but Buster had his head down and and he was um he looked inconsolable to some degree and and very defeated and 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 very worried of course all those things we would normally see but really that full impact, I felt like it was almost hitting him like a wave, like, ah, it's too soon. I can't really I take in these words that my father is trying to tell me right now as yeah. he And his uncle wasn't there. Right? John
3: Marvin, I guess, couldn't get back in time. No. So that had so, been a support system. Not that Lynn hadn't been supported, but I think that was not there for
2: him. I know. John Marvin Murdoch had been there for his brother, and he he couldn't be there for whatever reason. Um, Randy wasn't there, but the sister was there, and um, and so was Buster. It was it was quite a moment. Um, now, from what from what we saw in the courtroom, you guys were seeing it from another angle as well. And and just to kind of let y'all know, like we're we're right now we where we're, we're where we've been doing our live shots. If you're listening to this podcast somewhere far away from Charleston, South Carolina, this is the Colleton County Courthouse where we've been doing all of our work as journalists for 28 days, six weeks, pretty much embedded in this story. Um, It has been our home right here. Uh, So when you came out here, like what? Uh, You were out here as that verdict was being read, tell me what your initial thoughts were I think it's similar to what you said you know it it
4: almost felt surreal it was like when they went into look to deliberation it was this moment where wow it's been 28 days we've seen 75 plus witnesses take the stand hundreds of pieces of evidence brought into the courtroom and it, and then we heard a decision at 641 and we were like Wow, the decision's in, in under three hours. Right. And you know, Ann, you went right inside, you and Charlie, Katie Salt, and I were out here um, and we were watching as Judge Newman was reading this decision by these 12 jurors who ended up siding with the state of South Carolina.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. Now you were in the media center as this was going down, Drew. I mean, what was, you were live, you were live blogging, so Drew's been literally keeping this, this real-time track of what's going on. What, what What was your thoughts as you heard this?
1: This may sound odd, but uh, almost anticlimactic, um, just because of how quickly it came and how... I'm I'm struggling to really describe it. It it just came, and it was done. And here we are, 19 months since since the murders and and all of that, and it, it just... There was some deliberation very little anticipation and then it was just over it's just just like that it's over mm-hmm. uh, and i kind of looked at uh, joe uh, who's well, joe erickson who's one of our producers he's down here with me today helping on website stuff and social media stuff and we just kind of looked at each other like mm-hmm. okay that
3: here we
1: go. So. finality mm-hmm. it, it's, it's it's surreal it might be a little overused but it it was a really eerie feeling in the moment, it not, not almost emotionless being from the observer's point of view and trying to and being immersed in this for so long.
2: Well, I want to go back a little bit, too, to what we heard earlier in the day leading up to this. I know it's kind of after the fact, as true, it were.
3: true, true.
2: Um, but we, I think it's worth like bringing up the the effort that went True, but into I it. True, right good
3: advocacy by both sides. I thought they both put their heart and soul into their arguments.
2: Well, so let's play a, a clip quickly. We're not going to have a lot of time because we do have to use the same set to go on air at ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be um, we're going to have a, more of an abbreviated one tonight. But hopefully we'll make up for it tomorrow as well. Can we go ahead and play that uh, that clip from Jim Griffin?
0: Man, that sunset is.
3: Paul the detective learned learn the source of drugs that were being sold to his dad. What if Paul the detective goes to that drug source? says, cut it out. That's my dad. You're in my family. And if you don't, I'm gonna tell on you, turn you in. And what if sources member
0: dangerous drug grant gang? No, I don't object.
2: We heard him talk about how there was like that, that third-person theory that, what did you just call well, it, yeah, Charlie? Yeah,
3: uh, you know, it's just generally accepted that among lawyers you don't object to the other person's argument unless you really feel the need to. And obviously John Metters felt the need to because he was introducing what one would call third-party guilt. That. My client didn't do this. Other person out there, and there are standards on that. You just can't throw that out there without having had some proof of it. And so, Judge Newman did sustain the objection. The, the bell was sort of rung, so to speak. That thought was out there, and so there wouldn't necessarily be proper for them to have it considered it during deliberations. And obviously, didn't win today. But I think he felt like he had to, to do everything he could to try and get one or two jurors to hold
1: out for not guilty.
2: Well, you know, go ahead, Drew.
1: I. I came into today, and Charlie, I said this last night. I came into today thinking, what what would have to happen to persuade me and to sway me? And I'll tell you, Jim had me when he was, as the, to use the phrase that I've used, and I think I even heard John Metters use it today, he was putting SLED on trial. And he was he, 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 I was there with him. I was there with him. I was there with him. But as I said in a previous episode last night, today I needed the defense to kind of put up or shut up a little Mm -hmm. bit and make bring it home to if you're gonna if you're gonna go there give me something tangible give me something I can sink my teeth into and at that point when they're just kind of throwing out wild theories and there's no meat Mm -hmm. meat on the bone I guess you could say that's it's kind of where I did my best but that's where it kind of went downhill for me and I I just didn't know that I didn't find Jim all that persuasive from that point.
4: Yeah, and you know, I want to talk about Metter's closing. He said something that literally stuck with me from the moment that I heard it and I wrote it down. He said, this case is about two things, being real and choices, and he weaved that through Mm -hmm. the last words from the state. He said, you know, mm-hmm. Alec was not real, but Blanca was real. Mm-hmm. Alec was not real, mm-hmm. but, you know, Shelley was real. Right. And then he said, you make choices in life, and no matter who you are, you will always be held accountable for those choices, and that was powerful.
2: Mm-hmm. It was right. powerful. He actually even used the Velveteen Rabbit as his example, because as a I guess as a child oh. he had gotten a book that was like, always be real. And that's what his mom, I think, had written in the Velveteen Rabbit book. And, and he used that to sort of, as you know, you really have to bring them home with these things, right? This was the last argument. John Metters was, was their last mm-hmm. argument. This was the prosecution throwing everything at mm-hmm. that
3: And mm-hmm. you know, I thought case. he had a, that was a really good choice of, of, of staff members or assistant attorney generals to handle that argument, because I think he's very experienced with murder cases. He had that nice, I thought, mix of of arguing facts, but emotion to it. And just, I felt the jurors were sort of nodding with him, didn't you? He seemed to really connect with them. And just the way he argued it, and obviously it was effective, because that verdict, what, six weeks? We've had that? How many witnesses, and they come back. In I mean, three I think hours?
2: I think it was literally. I think we were up to to seventy or eighty witnesses mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the time this wrapped. Mm-hmm. Which is, and you you said tonight you you confirmed that this yeah, is the. Yeah, my understanding late- now.
3: Yeah, I spoke with uh, with uh, actually I think it was the attorney general himself. He said that uh, he, he he understood that the trial against uh, Pee Wee Gaskins was five weeks, not six. I thought it'd been six. So here we're in six weeks in a non-capital case. And, of course, in a capital case, you have, if there's a guilty verdict of murder, you have a day wait in between with nothing, no testimony. We don't, we didn't have that. So straight through six weeks. So I think this may be the longest trial in state court history in South Carolina. Uh, and, of course, the historic nature of it is not to be understated because, wow. I mean, however, however you look at this, you have a very... You know, prominent former attorney with deep ties here and John by the way, John Metters did bring that up, didn't he? Brought up his family in the argument, didn't he? And how he was found it offensive that they're trying to say that putting law enforcement on trial and mm-hmm. say they were responsible and they fabricated evidence. And so I think that's a, quite the vindication, by the way, for the State Law Enforcement Division. I would be not surprised at all that we don't see Chief Keel here tomorrow, Mark Keel.
2: Interesting, yeah. For because the I think that'd
3: be very appropriate because they alleged this fabrication of evidence. They put that on trial. They certainly put a number of the agents, especially the, the main case agent, David Owen, through the ringer.
2: Oh, and he his name got brought up every day. Mm-hmm. Every day, there was something about how SLED agent how uh, Owen hadn't done they fabricated something.
3: evidence. Right. It was. It got to the level. I mean, I, this maybe a bit of a of a stretch, but I didn't really think so. When he talked about the fabrication, to me, it was like alleging that the state law enforcement division was involved in criminal activity. Really, when you start thinking about it, fabricating, manufacturing evidence to convict an innocent person was basically what wasn't quite said that way, but that was a clear implication. Mm-hmm. But here you have it.
1: There were we jurors
3: there didn't buy
1: it. I noted some glossing over there mm-hmm. in some of those points by Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, I think, another one of the points that stuck with me something you said last night quoting a judge from from your career about sweet reason never sent anyone to the electric chair i i thought the through line between jim and john metters of common sense today Mm -hmm. and metters really hit home on common sense but also emotion i thought he balanced that really really well did you not
3: i I did i thought he he I really thought it was just a great argument, and again, I thought Jim Griffin had had also a good argument, but from the standpoint of the state of South Carolina, wanted to bring these jurors along with the evidence that they had there, and using those things of common sense, and he used that initial, it really threw me off, because CSC typically means criminal sexual conduct, and he said, no, this is a common common sense sense case, case. and wow, okay, got my attention, and uh, and I thought about that, this really is a common sense case, because if you step back from it, really. There's so much evidence against this defendant, and he'd he had to explain it, and then boy did he drive home the lying part, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Whoa, and the uh, the lying about the um, being at the kennels, and he had to wait to the last moment to have another moment of, of why he lied about not being truthful before. Yeah, as you said, the lie about the lie, and so mm-hmm. it was, it was just really well done. And I know, as I said. Um, we may have mentioned this earlier in one of the broadcasts, uh, as I left the courthouse here to come out to, to do um, the interview, I did see him. I thought he really was waiting for the baby. John Metters was in the first floor of that courthouse with another assistant attorney general, and he was sort of pacing. And his heart and soul was in this, and I thought when it came back uh, the way that he wanted it to come back, I would say he's probably at the talent of his career, wouldn't you say, just given his age? He's, he's, uh, he's a c- contemporary of mine, and so to have the in and Creighton Waters. I mean, talk about somebody who uh, put a heart and soul into something. So to have all—you know, you can't forget, though, you had the attorney general of, of South Carolina take a key witness, and it did he did so well, so it was just a real vindication.
1: Yes.
2: Well, I, we're, we are unfortunately having to wrap up right now because I'm getting word right now that we are going to be going live into our newscast. Uh-huh. <laughs> live for 10 TV, It is live TV and we are sharing this set with our, our live um, broadcast right now. So we're gonna sign off for right now, but know that the sentencing's happening tomorrow. Know that we have every intention, if there are jurors that want to speak to us, we would like to speak to them and we will be here at this tent and are, we are absolutely going to be keeping an eye out for them when they come through. So we will be having another conversation tomorrow evening in our podcast. Let you guys know how this all came together, what the sentencing looks like. He could be facing 30 years to life for both of those counts, five up to five years for the um, commission of with a with the weapon.
1: And the state intends um, to pursue life.
2: Absolutely. So stay tuned to us and we will get you the latest. I'm Ann Emerson, Drew Tripp. Charlie Condon, Terry Jabour. <laughs> thrilled to have her. Max Harrison, working the boards. Keep on bringing your questions. We'll keep answering them. Thank you so much for being here tonight.